us. Amen. As we love and worship him here today. God bless our Sunday school classes. We're going to let them be dismissed. And we got a powerful lesson. It's going to fall right into line of all that you've been hearing, being exposed to already here this morning. Praise God. You can turn the lights on. Thank you. We're people of the light. Hallelujah. Love you today. Appreciate each and one of you coming and taking out the time on an Easter Sunday morning to come and to worship the Lord with us. We appreciate that so much. We appreciate the good saints of God. Several, amen, that's been involved in one thing or another, making preparation for this Easter Sunday morning and to come to celebrate and to have a beautiful place to come and to celebrate and to join together and to unite together. Amen. Knowing that you and I all know that the, the common denominator for all of us is Jesus Christ. That's the reason we're here. Amen. To learn of him and to feel after him and allow the powers of his spirit and the powers of his word and touch into our hearts and touch into our lives today. Amen. We got a beautiful lesson. There's been times I wouldn't preach or teach the Sunday school lesson on Easter Sunday being the only service we're having today, but this and here failed in so well with everything that if you just just pay attention, what's unfolded, what's been said, the songs, both songs, amen, has been sung here, amen, the power of this Savior, the power of the resurrection, amen, when you really believe in the resurrection, that, that helps us to understand that our Savior, our King, our Lord, the Bishop of our soul. These are terms that you read out of the Bible, out of the Word of God about Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know that He conquered death. Amen. The shadow that you read in, in Hebrews, it talks about the fear of death, the shadow of that that was over them. But now that shadow has been erased and that shadow has been done away with through Jesus Christ. He taught us Himself that I've overcome the world. Cheer up because I've overcome the world. If I've overcome the world, you can. I I know we're living in a broken and a wicked world and there's chaos on every side but I'm here to tell you amen Jesus Christ has always provided for his lambs that's a reason David as a lamb in Psalms 23 called the Lord amen his shepherd because he knew this shepherd would lead and guide him to green pastures and to steal waters he knew that he was going to walk through the shadow of death he wasn't going to stay there because he was following after one amen that's going to conquer death and this is even before the man Jesus Christ ever come on the scene but he was speaking of this Lord and calling him Lord amen by the spirit amen it was going to come out of his seed out of his sonship this man called Jesus Christ and the devil and government and carnal minds has done everything it can to rob and steal amen distort it and turn it around but I'm here to tell you this morning on this Sunday morning on this Easter Sunday morning the gospel and the good tidings and the good news still has the power to resurrect still has the power to turn your world upside down or could I say turn it upside right hallelujah that's what we need we're Living in a turn world turned upside down. What we need, amen, is a turning up right. And the only way you and I can get right is get right with our maker. Get right with our creator. Get right with the one that all power in heaven and earth has been given to. And that's none other but Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. As the king of kings and lord of lords and the savior of the world. We believe in this resurrection and the power of it. And so we're going to celebrate it and. Our lesson, even the title of our lesson here this morning, Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the Resurrection. I've been resurrected. I've been brought back and into fellowship and companionship with my maker, with God. That, that we all lost in the garden through the, through the man called Adam, the first Adam. But thank God for the second Adam called Jesus Christ, the quickening spirit now. Not just a living soul, but a quickening. A quickening spirit's one that can cause to be, come back to life. That's the reason we call it the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I don't have no hesitations about calling it the Holy Ghost. I'm not, I'm not beating up anybody that calls it the Holy Spirit. That's their business, and that's good, and that's fine. It's scripture. It's in your Bible. But, but it, when you say Holy Ghost... If you know anything about what the definition of ghost is, that's the spirit of a departed one. That's what we're interested in. It's the spirit of the departed one. You're going to see in our lesson today in Luke 24, that whole chapter. We're going to read about eyewitnesses 
of Jesus Christ. They behold him. They, they walked with him three and a half years. They watched all the miracles and wonders of signs. They listened to the instructions that was given by this one man called Jesus. Amen. They watched him. Amen. As he dealt with demons. As he dealt with foul spirits. As he dealt with, with governments and, and with religion. Mentioned in the last song. Religion. Just religion. It didn't do nothing for you. You're right. It won't. Man's religion won't do a whole lot for you. He may prop you up. And he may have some forms to form you. But it won't transform you. It won't change you forever. It won't change your way of thinking. It won't change your way of living. It won't change you in that manner. But hey man, we're talking about one this morning. Hallelujah. That resurrects. Amen. That conquered the enemy and the powers thereof. And when you experience him through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through that resurrecting power. It's just an earnest. It's just an earnest. But it's enough, honey. It's enough. It's like a down payment. But it's enough. You know why? Because this temple belongs to him. I was created in his image. Hallelujah. And that's the reason we don't have images hanging up in our hearts and minds and spirits outside of Jesus Christ. The only true image there is and the true image to follow is Jesus Christ and the example that he left you and I and that power and that ability, amen, said has the power 2,000 years. You tell me a people that you've known of has been 2,000 years ago that has the power, amen, amen, to affect humanity like Jesus Christ. You tell me any other name you can call on that can turn your world upside down like Jesus Christ. What name you gonna call on when they diagnose your baby with leukemia? What name you gonna call on when you wrestle against the demons of devil, amen, the powers of hell and darkness and even one name amen that the devil and all of his elves bow down to and give a reverence to I'm thankful today that even across this nation that there'll be great gatherings and celebrating this Easter Sunday morning the recognition that a savior was born but he wasn't just born listen to me for just a minute there's a lot of emphasis, and rightly so, Paul talks about preaching the cross, the power of it. I know nothing else but the cross and the preaching of the cross. And he's, he's writing and giving that into a, a church, a church that's in trouble, a local assembly, the Carnage Church. All kind of powers of lust and demons and theology and things of this nature had taken its toll upon this group of believers but now he writes unto them and said, I don't know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The power of the cross to do what? To transform us. To change us. and To change us forever. But let, let me say this now. I said that because I didn't want you to think I'd, I'd be little at the cross by any means because we have not. But I want to tell you something. If it had only just been a cross. And if you and I could go. Now you watch this. Jesus Christ doesn't have a tombstone. He don't, have a, he don't have a place that's marked with his name on it. It's not a place. Now, they got a place you can go where he used to be. And we take great comfort in having a, a place of our departed loved ones sometime. And going there and, and put a lot of expense on tombstones and, and sayings and a, a place that sometimes, especially in the early hours and days and weeks and months and sometimes leads into years to go there and, and to, uh, if, if I could put it this way, just to talk to them and, you know, remember those times and maybe even weep and cry and life and different things. And some would think that's silly, but if you ever lose somebody that's real dear and real close and, and, and you'll you, you change your tune some. Amen. But that's not the case with Jesus. Amen. We don't have that place. And thank God for it today. But I tell you what we're going to see. We're going to meet him in the air in a moment. A twinkling of an eye. So as we watch this unfold. And with the best of our ability here this morning. We're going to try our best to walk in the feet of Mary Magdalene. And Mary Joseph. And, and the disciples in this 24th chapter of Luke. We're going to bring in some writings some others. Amen. And try to play and bring this out. Because as eyewitnesses. Of Jesus Christ. The the uh, let me just jump ahead just a little bit, but to help us to really understand uh, the the importance of eyewitnesses. 
you ever go to court, if you're ever involved in court and certain things happen, you can get eyewitnesses. Amen. And they don't have to tell the story identically. But if they tell it enough that the, the, the judge and the jury can put the puzzle together and realize from either two or three possibly even more witnesses as they revealed the story of what unfolded and what happened. As, and, and you can't beat hardly eyewitnesses, a man that was there, that was a part of it and saw it unfold and saw it took place and without hesitation. And when you jump all the way to the book of Acts and after the departing of Jesus Christ and Judas and the betraying of, G, G, of, of Jesus Christ, then you're going to see where, where Peter steps to the forefront in that first chapter of the book of Acts. And you're going to see that there's got to be one that's going to take his place in the ministry. It was prophesied all the way back in the Psalms that this was going to unfold and take place. But here was one of the main requirements, amen, that the, that individual, to even be a candidate, to even consider their names, they had to be eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, of his ministry, and also of the tomb, the cross, and also, amen, of the resurrection. Of seeing this one called Jesus Christ, even after his resurrection, for 40 days that he walked upon this earth, Amen. As a witness of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is what qualified him. At one time, and please don't take me wrong here. At one time, there was a lot of things that disqualified individuals and people from different areas. Especially when you get into the political world and things of that nature. But as you and I both know, and I'm not being harsh here by any means whatsoever. But you and I both know now that that has really broadened up. Amen. And things that at one time, these individuals couldn't even be considered running for the office less must get it. Amen. They're parading and advertising and, and pushing certain things at one time. Amen. This nation would have voted down, hands down. Amen. Especially whenever it was a custom. And the custom was, amen, to find themselves somewhere in the house of God on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon and spend their afternoons a lot of times on the front porches reading the old black book and everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say it. Hallelujah. Are singing out of them old, old song books, the songs of God and the powers thereof. Amen. It's some glad day I'm going to fly away or just a little talk with Jesus and things of these things. So the atmosphere was created. Amen. And a presence and a power was created in the families and in the families themselves. Hallelujah. This is what's going to hold us together. This is what's going to get us from one crop to the next crop. This is what's going to build this nation. And even, even our constitution is found upon the principles of this book. Our old fathers, amen. Forefathers, amen. As, as leaders of this country. Hallelujah. They wouldn't hardly ever have a speech that if they were high percentage of one third if not half of that speech would have quoting scriptures and things that was brought out of the word of God amen of what we was founding this nation upon that's one reason this nation has been so blessed because she understood and come to the realization we're under one God and liberty to all amen and you know the reason they ought to be coming over here it's not because we got great government programs and we got great handouts it's because we got a revelation of Jesus Christ and we got experience of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we've actually experience the gospel of the good tidings called the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ which is repentance and baptism in Jesus name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues don't make light of it honey I'm telling you whenever you get the Holy Ghost you're going to speak in tongues hallelujah there's no counterfeit it's got a Jerusalem ring and a transforming power that takes up a bold inside of us that sets on the throne of our hearts our minds and our spirits that changes us forever but with that little treasure amen inside this earthen vessel it doesn't matter if I'm walking on this earth or if you planted me six feet under or if you scatter me to the four winds that power is going to gather it all back together in a moment of quickening of eye we're going to leave this place called earth so we're coming to celebrate this join together to experience it even in a greater depthness if there's any way possible refreshing renewing our hearts our minds our spirit it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And so as we start off in this lesson this morning, and uh, focus verses found in Luke 24, 46 and 48. And said unto them that it's written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. It was a must. There's no way of getting out of this, fulfilling the scriptures, and he talks about it. And to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached 
in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And he are witnesses. He are witnesses of these things. He are witnesses of what has been preached. You and I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. I'm sure not, not any of us can take the credit that the Apostle Paul talking about seeing Jesus Christ. From all accounts, literally. Through those visions at times that he didn't know if he was in the body or out of the body. You and I didn't have the privilege of the 12 disciples that walked with him and beheld him. We weren't a part of that, that group that day that when he was coming into those last hours and weeks of his crucifixion, coming into that temple, and they had set him on a little donkey, a man that had never been written, a little coat. <laughs> but as they, they enthroned him, and they took the time and put the blankets over that little donkey and began to palm branches and celebrate and cry out, Hosanna, 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 a Savior. A savior. We don't know nothing. We, we haven't been a part of that. But what you and I've got this morning is the word of God. And we got the presence of God that is, we have felt in this house this morning. That resurrecting power. That spirit that has a witness of its own. In fact, the witnessing of the Holy Ghost or the spirit of God is so powerful and so real. It's the only thing that this book has taught us. If we blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, there is no forgiveness. That's a line that is awesome and as powerful as our God is. This long-suffering and kindness and mercy. Amen. That's a line that you cannot cross back over on. Once you blasphemed or rejected and say there's nothing to it. Amen. You'll find yourself. That's this witnessing power of this resurrecting power called the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. There's nothing to compare to it. Nothing you'll never entertain or be involved in something. It's more beautiful and more powerful than in the presence of God himself. Amen. And the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God begins to move upon our lives. And I promise you the Holy Ghost has just as much power today, this morning, as it did in the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 that you read about. Amen. When they come out of that upper room and onto those Jerusalem streets, amen. The noise that caused the crowd to come in. That some 3,000 souls began to respond to the preachings, amen, of, of the Apostle Peter and received the same experience. And then 5,000, then a multitude, then a great multitude. It's always been the will of God to save humanity. For God so will of the, of the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's not God's will for any to perish. We learned that last week. It's God's will that we all might be saved. It's God's will that we might all know him in the riches of his love and power and resurrecting power. So, so today, amen, as we look at this Luke 24, we start walking through, amen, the, the, what's left in those last few moments and times of Jesus Christ with his disciples and what unfolded from that point in time and after the crucifixion and now they placed him in the tomb and so now you're going to see Mary and other women, Mary of Joseph and others it's going with her and they're going to make their way to that tomb but I want to bring out a few things amen just to help lead us along to what's unfolding because I really want us to really get in their footsteps of how we would deal with it because see there's, there's a lot of us you know have you ever seen somebody have you ever worked real hard on something and you've seen all the heartaches and the troubles and the elements you had to go against to get it to that place of perfection or that place of finish somebody else walks up and, and you tell them it took you 12 hours and they look at it and say my goodness you ought to have done that in about two hours yeah, and you should have been here 12 hours ago. Because <laughs> if you'd been here 12 hours ago and watching this unfold and seen all the elements and all the oppositions and all the other things that went wrong, both human area and other areas, <laughs> amen, mismarriaging, miscutting this, doing this, it all shows up. It doesn't matter what kind of work you're doing. I mean, you, I can take you to the kitchen. I can take you shopping. I can take you to be a welder, a plumber, electrician. It don't make any difference. These things happen. And so if we're not careful, amen, this is the same, same attitude and spirit that others amen, have, amen, even in this situation. So what I'm trying to tell you, let's get where they're at and being exposed what they was exposed to, amen, before we judge them too quick. And the response of what had unfolded and happened. And how that God, remember, God's ways is far above ours as the heavens above the earth. 
But it's always been God's will to reveal unto mankind the plan of salvation. How to be redeemed. How to, how to walk with him. How to be led by him. You see that in the Old Testament. I can't preach it all, so I'm just going to have to. So as we watch this, Luke 24, 1 and 2, it begins. Now upon the first day of the week. That's the reason we gather. Did you know the day is the first day of the week? I know they call it the weekend. They call it the Sabbath. A lot of people, but it's not. Actually, Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday is the first day of the week. Look on your calendar if you don't believe that. So now it's the first day of the week. Things are going to change the way to worship, the place to worship, how to worship, who to worship. Worship's important. Don't ever kid yourself. I can take you all the way back to Genesis to Cain and Abel. And worship makes all the difference. The first killing and shedding of blood was over worship, being accepted or not. Don't listen to these guys that tells you it don't matter where you go. Don't listen to these guys that you can just do it any old way. No, we got a manual here. We got a book that gives us instructions. And the one that gave us these instructions is planning on us following these instructions. That's the reason he set up a five-fold ministry. That's the reason he has a church. That's the reason he has a body of believers that we can connect with and work together with. Love and respect lift up one another. And even all the troubles and disagreements and whatever it may go on in it. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure Noah's sons didn't always agree on everything. But I'm sure the other didn't tell the other, well, you, would you rather be out there? No, I'm, I'm all right. We'll work it out. We'll work it out in here. Well, praise God. I said a lot more than what you think I did. I'd carry that a lot of places. Let me jump that rabbit just a second. From church to families to government to nation to a, you just name it. Making sure we keep the, the main thing the main thing. And what this is all about is being saved and saving others. Being witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power thereof. So as the first day of the week, very early in the morning, Matthew 28 and 1 calls it, amen, as it began to dawn toward the first day. Mark talks about it, and, and, and he refers unto it, amen, as, as early in the morning. And they said to themselves, so as we look at this, we're going to see different things unfold and happen. John put it this way, that when it was still yet dark. Some people may not understand that. <laughs> what do you mean? Early in the morning, early, you know, it's still dark. They don't know nothing about sunrise. They know something about some setting, but maybe not a whole lot about sunrising. Amen. Somebody asked me the other day, said, y'all going to have sunrise service? I said, no, so we just never got into that. We, we just have the regular service, 10 o'clock, and we have one service anyway. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is, did you know this is where they get that? It's when they go to sunrise services. Because the first day, early in the morning, these ladies, amen, that was followers of disciples of Jesus Christ, they're getting these ornaments and things together and, and to to taken to prepare the body of Jesus because it was done in such a rush that nobody did. Nobody done anything but except Joseph himself that, that took a man and wrapped him up in linen and put him in his tomb. Jesus didn't even have a tomb. Jesus didn't own not one thing upon this earth. The creator of all things didn't own not one thing. <laughs> but yet it owned and created it all. So as we, we understand and realize how early in the morning they had made plans and made preparation. On the way there, now Luke, he doesn't go into it a whole lot as far as actually just like unto it. A man, they found what? According to Luke 24 and 2, he just simply mentions that they found the stone, a man, rolled away. But thank God for the other writers as they start putting into it. There was conversation before they ever got there. What about the stone? Why was the stone put there to start with? Watch this. Those that had crucified him came to Pilate. Requested that he 
would seal it, put a stone. Pilate's response to them, he says, you got the men, you got the power, you got the, you got the means. You seal it up. If you read it close, there is some, I personally believe that Pilate said, in a way, if you think you can, have at it. Let's see how, how it works out. Let's see how it unfolds. Pilate had not already knew that this man was innocent. Pilate's wife had done come to him and introduced him, hey, this man, it troubles me. Pilate had already, to the best of his ability, at least because the scriptures had to be fulfilled, amen, to set this man free. He was the one that had chosen Barabbas, the most wicked, vile, notable crime, amen, a convicted crime amen, in, in the prison there that he was trying to loose. Hey, if I, if I, they won't, surely they, but they did. The scriptures. Hmm. And so the discussion, one of the other gospel writers, they had discussed among themselves who's going to roll the stone back. Did you know that we still fight with some of those same stones? There's probably some that's walked in this service this morning and you've already felt something and you know it's here and you know it's real. But immediately, if you're not careful, that old carnal mind and the old devil himself will start rolling stones. <laughs> you can't live this. You can't do that. You, you're not, you don't have the ability. You, you, you don't, you know, th- those folks as always, and that's a lie. We've all been where everybody's at. Scripture makes it very plain that everybody's been a sinner. That everybody's come up short. That everybody had to have a Savior. Nobody's exempt from that. I'm not exempt of it this morning. I need as much of my Savior today as I've ever needed Him. Even with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and following the plan of salvation and laying the right foundation. Amen. Paul said, take heed how you build there upon. But I need a Savior that can speak into my heart, mind, and life. I need one that's going to keep me. I'm telling you, there is an adversary out there. And he knows how to deceive. And he knows how to to twist and distort things and to put it into our hearts and minds and spirit that we can wind up lost and undone thinking that we're doing what God wants us to do. But you never get to the place that you don't need this God, this Savior, this voice. But you know what? They didn't allow that to stop them. They just kept making their way to the grave, to the tombstone, to the place that he was laid. The Bible has taught us that when they get there, <laughs> When they get there, they have a second problem that's bigger than the first one. Yeah, I'm going to let that soak in a second. What was the second problem that was bigger than the first one? What did they go out to do? What did they set out to do? They set out to prepare the body of Christ, of Jesus. When they got there, there was no body. I just like Brother Brennan going, you know, to somebody's house and say, hey, we're called out. We got somebody's deceased and they passed on. He pulls up and there's no body. Well, where is it? I, I mean, I got to have some evidence here. I got to have a body. You just can't tell me there's somebody dead here. <laughs> so they got a bigger problem. <laughs> we don't have a body here. And immediately they began to think somebody took him. Somebody stole the body. Somebody's pasted. If they'll just tell me, in fact, to the point, amen, the Bible says that Mary looks in and there's two that's in the, in, in, in the tomb there and speaks to her and said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? That's the reason we don't believe in dead church. Because God is not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. That's the reason we don't walk in even on Sunday mornings or any other time. All down and out and depressed and don't think our God can't do it. I don't care how big your problem is, how big your mountain is, how big your problems is. This God's proved himself over and over and over again. He laid his hands on the blind. He raised the dead. Amen. He didn't do not one thing wrong. He done everything right. He crossed every T and dotted every he fulfilled all the prophecies, both of the Psalms and of the prophets. He fulfilled all of it. He was who he said he was. But now here's Mary, Mary Magdalene, in fact, one that had been delivered of seven spirits. Here she is now. Where's the body? What, what, what's happened? Question. Questions about the body. Where'd you take it? I'll go get it. I'll take it out. And they responded. So now, 
when they spoke and made the statement about you seeking the living among the dead, lights began to come on. Even to Jesus Christ. Now they're so different. Lord, help me. When you bring in all the accounts, they all play and bring in just a little bit more how it all really unfolds. And, and so they tell Mary and the others to go. Go and tell Peter and John. One of them talks about that that's who she goes to first. And, and then you go to watch a, a, a match. <laughs> a match. Because watch this. One writer says when they bring the news to them, it's like idle words. You got to remember now, they're all locked up. They're all in a room. They're all afraid and fearful. They're all afraid of what the Jews are going to do. Everybody's afraid of the body of Christ. You got one group that wants to seal up and make sure that nobody can come and steal it and tell lies about it. You got another group that is disciples is bringing all of them that come and stealing the body and taking it away. Nobody really believed the message. Or as you tell at the end of this chapter, a true understanding of what Jesus was trying to tell them. How often that is today when you preach the gospel and you preach repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. For the lack of an understanding or a desire or a passion, it won't have the effect upon you. And when it doesn't have that effect upon you, it's easy. It's easy to say it's really not a whole lot to that. Especially when it's religion. And it's man-made. And it's all done in the framework of men. And not in the framework of the Word of God. And in the spirit of love and truth. Truth sets you and I free every time. It always will and always has. And so here they are as they made their way back. And, and now Peter and John, they're in a foot race. The writer, man, John talks about it and goes into greater depthness in John, the 20th chapter. And he talks about how they go there. And John outruns Peter. But John doesn't go into the tomb. He just looks from the outside in. Peter, when he gets there, that's his character. <laughs> he just busts right on up in there. But all they can find, there's no body. But yet, there's the linen. And there's that that covered the face that was folded and laid over. Separate from the other garments. With the message of that custom and hour that were taught. When they done that, that was a sign that I'm going to return. That's like getting up from the dinner table when you're not through, but you've went to take care of some business, and you take your napkin, you fold it, and lay it to the side, so the waiter knows when they come by not to take your plate, not to disturb it. You're coming back to finish it. Telling you, our God has came back to finish it through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the reason 2,000 years later we can feel that resurrecting power that you felt in this house this morning. That's the reason you and I as believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, we ought to be witnesses of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ individually. What God has done for us as an individual. And quit looking around what he's done for this and what he, No, it's an individual affair. What God wants to do for you as an individual. That's the reason he becomes your personal savior. Amen. That's the reason he becomes your personal escape. That's the reason he becomes the one, amen, that'll lift you up when nobody else can lift you up. Amen. To give you a visitation when nobody else can. They can break you out of situations. It don't matter if it's dungeons or jailhouses or the graveyard. So, as we watch this unfold, and, and uh, I'll have to just work through some of this. When you go back to the 8th verse, I, I want to say this. The angels, when they spoke to him, listen to what they said. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. Listen to the next verse. And they remembered his words. But at that moment of chaos... That moment of wonder, that moment when they first stepped at the tomb and it was empty. You and I can only imagine what they felt. 
as they behold what was going on. When you drop down, you're going to go, you're going to see where they began to work with them and, and the emotions themselves. So if you don't mind, give me just a minute. I want to work on that. Matthew 27, 28, 7 or 10 puts it this way. And go quickly and tell his disciples, and he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall he see him, lo, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. With fear and with great joy. Did you know today that you and I as witnesses of the Holy Ghost and witnesses of his resurrection, we still have to battle with that fear. Are they going to believe it? Are they going to accept the message? Yeah, I'm digging deep here this morning. I'm digging right where we live on both sides of the spectrum. That fear, are they really going to accept it? Are they going to believe it? That's the reason it's so important for you and I, if we've experienced the Holy Ghost, to live a life as a Christian. We walk different. We talk not better. That's a lie from the enemy as a snare to keep individuals from not hearing it. Nobody under the sound of my voice, and I'm on top of the list, is not better than anybody else upon this earth. I don't care who they are and where they come from. Every earthen vessel houses a soul. Every earthen vessel was created in his image and likeness. And the Bible says, whosoever will, let them come. Color their skin, their, their pedigree, it don't matter. It don't make any difference. It's up to an individual that becomes hungry and thirsty and begins to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, that, that God will introduce them to this gospel and this experience. But I'm promising you one thing this morning. There's still always that little bit of in every one of us, even this experience this, when we start telling others, we start, start trying to inform and guide them, amen, about this truth. Are they going to accept it or not? Are they going to receive it or not? Are, are they going to mock it? Are, are they going to make light of it? So, so watch some of this great fear did they run and bring to his disciples words and they went to tell his disciples behold Jesus met them saying and Jesus met them this is one where Jesus on their way there he even stops him listen to him and if they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him and Jesus said to them be not afraid Mark puts it this way in 16 7 and 8 but go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that is goeth before you into Galilee that shall at least I see him and he said unto you. Now notice he added Peter in there. Why? Peter's one that denied him three times. <laughs> so we see the, how the whole conclusion of this thing is working and coming together. And the results of coming to a tomb that was empty. Coming to a place that nobody is there. Amen. And, and he's not with them. It's kind of like, you know, amen, whenever the, 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 the servant, amen, with Elijah, whenever he, he was gone those three and a half years and he showed up and that, that servant said, oh, no, you don't go nowhere. Hey, you're going, no, man, he'll hang me up. And, and so the witnessing power, I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, the church needs the witnessing power of the Holy Ghost like never before. We also need the wonders and signs following us, amen, in a manner and a way as God fulfills the word of God and the power thereof. This resurrecting, the witnessing of the resurrecting power of God. Hey, something about it. Hey, man, watching miracles and wonders and signs. I want to tell you something. This world is reaching a stage and a place. Hey, man, how it's one of the greatest revivals it can have. Or it's one of the greatest falling aways it wants to have. It depends upon us as individuals. Whether or not we're going to believe the gospel and pay the price and humble and yield ourselves. And find our place in the kingdom and find our place in the body of Christ. And let God use us. And let this become a God thing and not a man thing. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because you watch this. I'm telling you the cross, the tomb, the scars, all of that wouldn't have meant nothing if there had been no resurrection. It would have been no different than any of the others that ever came. Claiming and proclaiming. Listen to the words of Jesus. He taught us this. Others that came before him proclaiming to be but were not. They couldn't fulfill the bill but Jesus did. That's what this resurrection is all about. <laughs> he conquered death. He took the keys of both of the grave and hell. All eternity lies in him. 
That's the reason you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ and followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't have to fret and worry about all our tomorrows. We pray over them. And I understand. Get the right mixture there. I talked about that Wednesday night. And then talk about our nerves. Yes, the things in the natural gets on our nerves. And we have to respond to things of that nature. But I'm telling you, our nerves shouldn't ever get to the point that we're just going to lose our, ourselves and all. No, no. There's something inside of me that can hold me together. That will put my trust and my faith in. Amen. That he promised me. He'd never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. He promised. And you know what? This God will fulfill his promises. He's never failed. The Bible said he's going to owe no man. Paul said his grace has appeared unto all men. So, so what, what's to know him? And the power of this resurrection. The power of this love. Amen. And the fellowship of, of, of God in our lives and working with us. The eighth verse of that same, I just this is the point I wanted to make out. And so they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, and they trembled and were amazed. Trembled and were amazed of what had transpired and what had taken place and unfolded there. Praise God. And I realize my time's gonna. It reached a point in the 24th chapter of Luke, 13th verse, it begins to talk about the two on the road to Emmaus. Amen. The Maus was some about seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, they had finally reached a point in a place of so much chaos and, and questioning in Jerusalem. They said, hey, let's go to Emmaus. It, it's got, no, I don't know. I'm just picking on that part. Amen. But we know they're going to Emmaus. Man, two of the disciples, not of the twelve, but two here now. Amen. It's on their way to Emmaus. Jesus Christ comes walking up. Now, watch this. Isaiah said that that the lamb, that, that Jesus Christ would be marred in his visit, amen. His appearance would be greater than any on this persecution. After they got through beating him, slapping him, pressing the crowns of thorns upon his head, beating his back with a cat of nine tails, Mary couldn't recognize her own son that she had birthed into this world because he was so marred. Get that image in your mind. Get the image of him hanging on the cross and dying. Get the image of Joseph coming, just wrapping him up in linen cloth and putting him into his grave, into his tomb. That's the last time they saw the man called Jesus. When's the last time you saw somebody, but the time before you saw him, they was... Maybe disfigured. Maybe you could tell they was allowing some elements to have its effect upon them. And the results was obvious. And then as time went on, they found deliverance. And they, they found a help and a comforter. And you see them six months later. And all of a sudden, my, you look 20 years younger. Oh, yeah, we've all been there. I don't have time, but I could go. But I'm. So as Jesus, now the Bible says their eyes were beheld. But as they walked, disgruntled and down and out, and you know, one dragging the other and down with all that had unfolded and had taken place, and finally Jesus questions them about it. And, you know, what's, what's got you in this condition, this situation? And he begins, as you watch here, he begins to expound it to them all the way back in the Old Testament and brings it all the way through right where he's at. Finally, to the point they had made the trip to Emmaus. And they're fixing to turn in and they compel and have him to come in with them. If any of you have listened to Brother Treadway, he, he made mention of this little area. Different ones just come up with different ideas of why all of a sudden their eyes were opened. But he made this comment. He said, when he broke that bread, they saw the scars. In his hands. The only things that's going to be in heaven. And a part of that new Jerusalem. That is man made. It's going to be the scars. That's in the hands of this man called Jesus. And the scars on his brow. And in his feet. How do you know that preacher? Because the first day he comes in to the disciples. And 
Thomas is not there and he reveals himself and he tells them not to be afraid. So the first thing he does, he shows them the scar. Thomas says when they bring the news to him, Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it unless I can place my fingers into those scars in his hand. Place my fingers in the side of the scar with that spear. Come on, we just sung about it. Where blood and water, the two elements, it's got to be applied to come out of the side. Which follows the same redeeming powers that was in the ark. That only God controlled that doorway in that ark. Noah didn't. God was the one that opened and closed that door. Or at least closed that door. Noah built it open. It's whosoever will. As a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. And eight precious souls. That's all that heard and obeyed. But God was the one after Noah walked into that ark for seven days. Amen. But then God got ready to close. You know why God had to close that door? Because the man part of Noah, when those folks come knocking on that door and screaming and crying, he'd opened that door. He'd opened it. They ain't a grandpa or a, a, a daddy in this house. When those babies were screaming and hollering, you wouldn't have the strength and ability. Amen. It kept from opening it. You'd have opened it. But God. See, there's some things in the hands of God and the powers of God. And no man outside of Jesus Christ can ever change any of that. And so here as you watch this. And you can watch as you watch this unfold begin to take place. And, and as it, it, even in the latter part of this thing. And I, I know it's 1138 and I'm running out of time here. But go read that whole chapter as it unfolds and, and so you see the scars here and he makes his way back and he comes and when you pick up about the um, 36th verse and, and they spake Jesus unto them to the midst of them and said unto them peace be unto you and I just talked about that a little bit so if you don't mind I'm going to drop on down 42nd and they gave him a piece of the broad watch this they didn't believe they was afraid they were shocked so, so you know after doing that he says you got anything to eat I mean he likes to eat They had some broiled fish. Had some, some honey bread and they, he eats it before them. Hmm. Well, I'm glad. Glorified bodies are going to get to eat. You know what? Glorified bodies are probably going to get to eat whatever they want to eat, as much of it as they want to eat. They're still going to be glorified. <laughs> There won't be no diet plans in heaven. Huh? There won't be no certain plans that you got to eat certain foods because you got a bad heart or a bad liver or bad blood or whatever it might be. We're going to have access to, the, to those. The Bible talks about trees on both sides of the river. Twelve manner fruit. Amen. Healing in those leaves. Now, I don't know what all that's going to consist of. Gates in that city. You don't have gates unless you're coming in and out. And a reason for that. And a new heaven and a new earth. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be worth going to heaven. I don't care what anybody thinks. Whatever you got to lay down or whatever you got to pick up, it's going to be worth going to heaven. To be a part of that new heaven and that new earth. To be a part of that, whatever that's going to behold of. Because really, we can't really. I mean, the Spirit helps us to a certain degree, but we really don't know what all behold. But we know it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be powerful. And it's going to be worth it. Amen. To receive the Holy Ghost and the power of God. And the power of truth into our hearts and into our lives. To have a revelation, understanding of what's happening here. So as we look at this, this resurrection, amen, the power of it, the power of the Holy Ghost, it comes and takes up a bold and sets within us this promise unto you and I, unto as many. Go to Acts, the latter part of that, and that 42nd verse, and it talks about the fellowship, and it talks about the promise unto you and to all your children. To me, it's our God shall call. God's in the calling ability. Amen. And later on, it talks about many are called, but few are chosen. Hallelujah. But you know what, folks? Amen. I, I want to be a part of that call. I want to make, and Peter went on to say, making our calling and election sure. That's what church is all about. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. Amen. That's what the resurrection is all about. That's about witnessing the resurrecting power of God. Walking in the newness of life. Amen. You know, a lot of people, a lot of times on Sunday in place, you get good deals. Amen. All the new suits and new things. So a lot of people, you go out and we go, why? The newness of life. Putting on newness of life. Amen. That's what we want. Because the old man had to die. The old man had to come under submission and under subjection. Now I could take you on to Romans and I know my time's up but let me just for a moment
going to take you to Romans. And if you look at Romans and you get a little idea of all what I've been trying to, to bring across us today. Amen. To experience this thing is through repentance and baptism and then filling the All of this works together. Now watch what Paul tells us. Amen. Whenever you look at uh, uh, Colossians 2 and 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with circumcision made without hands. That's baptism. And putting off the body of sins of the flesh and by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who hath raised him from the dead. <laughs> That's baptism in Jesus name. Two elements. One baptism. Watch this. When you go down after dying. What do you do with dead people? You bury them. You don't cover them up with dust. You don't just sprinkle them. Well, I'm hitting some stumps right there, but that's okay. It's still right in the Bible. You bury them. Fully submerge. That's where you need to be buried. Because that's what you do with people that die. There's also a protection that comes with that. You know why we bury them? Because we don't want the, the wolves and the bears and the skelters and the, all the fowls of the air coming to take their precious little body because you can't stay there day and night and guard it. So you've tried to put it in a safe place. It's called a grave. Safest place that you and I can be is buried in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And as we go down into that watery grave, we're promised to come up in the newness of life called the Spirit of God. And the same God that raised up Jesus Christ raises up you and I in the newness of life. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the resurrection. That's experiencing the resurrection. In the manner and a way that's it's nothing like it. Take you another one. I see them doing things back there, so we got time. Okay? <laughs> thank y'all. I don't know what they're doing, but thank we thank them. <laughs> Romans 6 and 19 talks about. I speak after the manner of man because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. Let me help you out there. If you study your Bible, you're going to read of two things, two mysteries. The spirit of iniquity, the mystery of the spirit of iniquity, and the mystery of the spirit of godliness. One or the other is working on us. David even confesses about being shapen by the spirit of iniquity. Okay? And so, it's what we yield ourselves or give ourselves to. That's who's our master. Let's read the Bible himself. He told us you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. You, you, you're going to hate one and love the other. That's a reason straddling the fence. That's a reason just doing, I'm going to go a step further. That's a reason there's so many different denominations. If I don't like it here, I go here. If I don't like it there, I go yonder. And if you'll watch them, they're going further and further and further. They're broadening it up. They're accepting more. But I'm going to take you back. Man may accept you, but God don't have to. You may accept me in my lifestyle and the way I live. And I can live like a heathen. You choose me to be your spiritual leader. We'll go party together. 900 other things. But that doesn't mean that God's got to accept it. He didn't accept Cain's. But he accepted Abel's. And he told Cain, said, Cain, all you got. God talked to Cain now. Some people, well, if you had a different pastor, if you had a different spiritual leader, if you had a, and that may be true if they're leading you in error. Watch it. Paul went as far as to saying that, Lord, the apostle of the Gentiles. What did he tell us? As long as I follow Christ, follow me. As long as we follow this book right here, what it's taught us, we're mandated by this to obey it and follow it, practice it, put it into action. Responding to it. 
Will God call us to do some hard things at times? Ask Abraham. Thy beloved son. Bring him on Mount Moriah. Sacrifice him. They get up the wood. Got everything except the sacrifice. And even Isaac as a young lad. In his teens somewhere. But he'd been, he was familiar with it to know that where's the sacrifice. And Abraham, God would provide himself a sacrifice. And he did. If you remember the song? From a virgin. We celebrated at Christmas. A virgin giving birth to a Savior. We come back at Easter. We celebrate. Why? Because Savior's born. He died, but, but yet he lives again. Living forevermore. Revelation talks about it. <laughs> the one that, was, that lived was dead, but now lived forevermore. He's alive, and he lives forever. I, I know my time's up. You can stand. I prayed something has been said and something has been felt in this house this morning. If, if, if not today, but to start something in our hearts, our minds, all of us, I'm included. God, I will be a witness of that resurrecting power. I will be a witness of the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the love of truth. As, as we believe, as we put our trust in Him and His power of mercy and grace and compassion. Today, if, and I know there's some distractions going on, and I, I hate that. I'm sorry for that. But at the same time, today, before you leave here, why don't you purpose in your mind, heart, and spirit? I'm going I'm to rehearse some things I've heard today. I'm going to get the old black book down for myself, and I'm going to read Luke 24. And, I'm going to pay attention to what's being said and because eternity is waiting on us. Today could be the day of salvation. Today could be a turning point for you in your spirit, in your mind, and in your heart. For all of us, examine ourselves. Consider ourselves. We see this Old Testament, New Testament. If there's ever been a generation that needs to consider themselves and make sure, like Peter said, Make our election and calling sure. I'm not condemning nobody. I'm not putting nobody nowhere. I'm just telling you judgment day's coming. And we got to be ready to meet him. We're all going to face this one that conquered death. We're all going to face this one that conquered Satan. We're all going to face the one that conquered the world. And has left us with his word and with his spirit. And with his name. And I'm telling you, with those working in our lives, that's the reason the Bible said, if God's for us, who can be against us? The only one that can prevent you and I from making it is ourself. Is ourself. I'm the only one because I didn't have an ear to hear him. I don't have a desire to know him. Or if I, as they did, some mocked, some really cute. Some just simply wouldn't believe it. But here's the deal. When he went to the tomb, it was empty. <laughs> but when ten days later, three days later, now that ten comes in, it depends on the resurrection, how you want to include the. But watch this. Forty days he walked among them as a witness, eating, working. And then he ascended up. They went and tarried in that upper room waiting on the promise of the Father. And it came. It came. They stayed seven to ten days in that upper room on the words of Jesus Christ that the Father was going to send a promise. He didn't tell them how it was coming. He didn't tell them they was going to speak in tongues. He didn't tell them any of that. He knew, you'll know me when I show up. And they did. It came as a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all that was in the house. 
That same experience is alive and well today. If you want it. And if I want it. Because that's the true experience. And witnessing powers of the resurrection. Let's pray. God, we love you today. We're so thankful, God, for the power, the presence of the Lord that has been felt in this house this morning. The souls and lives that you've allowed to come and celebrate with us. Everyone, each individual. As we pray here this morning, I want your presence and your voice to go with each one of us. To guide us, to direct us. Guide us unto that place that you'd have us to be. Quickening our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Working upon our behalf as you always have and always will. It's your heart beating desire, God, to save us. To deliver us. For us to finish the race. To finish the course. To hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servants. This is our prayer this morning, Lord. Because we want to be the true witnesses of the power of your resurrection. You reach down in a special way and go with each one. As we depart from this place, but not your presence. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Going to have a candy rain right across the way over here. A couple of places if you'd like to make family pictures. So take your time. No service tonight. Enjoy the fellowship. God bless you.